So uh, a few years ago, I was on a priest retreat, and the uh, retreat master um, told us uh, that we should find out like our sacramental information. So, like what day we were baptized, like who did it, what priest baptized us or deacon, and to find out, you know, where you, what was your first confession, you know, who gave you your first communion, what day was that, uh, what day were you confirmed, by what bishop, you know, date of your ordination, things like that. And some of those dates, like, you know, I, obviously my ordination date, I knew that, but I didn't know the other dates. Uh, so I uh, went and found them. And the reason why he told us to do that was to, like, first of all, celebrate those days. And then the other thing is just pray for the, the priest or deacon, uh, bishop who, who gave you those sacraments. And, you know, his explanation was that, you know, yeah, we celebrate our birthday with great devotion, our physical birthday, but we, we most of us probably don't even know uh, the date of our baptism or who baptized us, do we? And, and he goes, what's more important? Yes, your parents gave you physical life, but what about your supernatural life? Isn't that, isn't that something worth celebrating, right? Uh, so I went and found out my information. And, um, I was baptized right here uh, in this spot on April 15th, 1962 by Father Ed Ryer. I have no idea who he is. He's long since gone to his reward, one hopes. And, and, and so Father Ed Ryer baptized me right there. My, my supernatural existence began right on that spot all those years ago April 15th I was born on April 4th that was back in the day when we used to baptize like right away right none of this waiting around for two years right we do it you do it you get baptized immediately my mom was still in the hospital uh, when I got baptized and because uh, I, I must have uh, really taken it out of her you know uh, <laughs> But uh, so she wasn't even there at my baptism. How about that, April 15th? So that's, uh, that's a day I celebrate now. And my first confession, uh, Father Herity, no date attached, just his name. Uh, you guys remember Father Herity, right? He's, down, he's retired now down in, down in Florida, God bless him. Uh, my first communion, uh, Father Roberts. You guys remember Father Roberts? Rocky? Yeah, he was something. Uh, he's a... Uh, he was a tough old guy. And so May 9th, 1970, I made my first, I sat right there. I remember, I sat right behind Billy Donnelly. And uh, let's see, my confirmation, Bishop O'Neill. My ordination, Bishop O'Neill. Right. So think about all those significant dates, you know, your sacraments, uh, your, the date of your marriage, obviously you know that. Uh, but we have to celebrate these things because they are for us our connection to our supernatural existence, which far exceeds in importance our physical birthday. And, and, and so we, we do that. Um, now today we celebrate the Feast of the Presentation, but it's also known as the Feast of the Purification. It's also known as Candle Mass. All right, now uh, the presentation, we you know, is Jesus is being brought into the temple. If you recall back in Ezekiel, because of Israel's disobedience and their hard-heartedness, 
uh, the Spirit left the temple. Ezekiel saw the Spirit of God leaving the temple and prophesied, though, that one day God's glory would return to the temple. God's light would, would come back, which is what we have these readings for today. Because God's glory returns to the temple today. That's what we celebrate. Jesus, the God-man, the incarnation, is brought into the temple. This is, this is God getting humanity back online by connecting it to his divinity in the incarnation. This is God's glory incarnate in the flesh being brought into the temple. Once again, God has returned. And we also celebrate the Feast of Purification because this is also the day that Mary, having, having fulfilled the law and the prescribed 40 days uh, for her purification, uh, comes into the temple. It's proof of her 40 days of waiting. And this is also the day we celebrate candle mass. This is when traditionally the church would bless candles for the year and use those throughout the year. Bless candles. The light of the world is coming back. Huh? It's coming into the temple. So candles, significant. Now, and towards that, we have candles up here in the baskets um, that if you take a couple uh, and you bring them home, and so now, not just on a birthday, but on a wedding anniversary, on the anniversary of your confirmation, on the anniversary of your first communion, on the anniversary of your first confession, and certainly on the anniversary of your baptism when you began your supernatural existence, you have to celebrate. So while you have a nice meal and you gather your family around you, uh, just like you would on a birthday, but more importantly, this time, put those candles out and have a party. Celebrate with your family because this is the day that you were born into eternal life. So light those candles. Christ is at the center of all that we do. He's the center of our family life. He's the center of our celebrations. We have much to celebrate in regards to our, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has given to us. So after Mass, um, come up and take a couple. Now, they're blessed, so I can't charge for them. All right? But you can make a donation. So the donation is, is, a, is the, you know, the two candles cost three bucks. So throw, if you can, throw a few dollars in just to and say, you know, I, I want to help. And if you can't or don't want to, don't. But take candles anyways. Take a couple for each family. And, and then if you can give more, because some people might not be able to put money in, maybe throw in a little bit extra for them if you want to. Uh, but come up and get a couple and don't just put them in a drawer. Put them in some nice candle holders. Keep them there on the side, on the, on the hutch or whatever you call it. And, and uh, you bring them out when it's, when it's a day to celebrate, when you remember that uh, you belong to Christ and he's the center of your life. Now, in regards to the purification, here's, here's God's glory coming back in the temple. What, is, what did Mary and Joseph do? They, they give the guy five shekels. They pay, for, they, they pay the priest in the, the, in the, in the sanctuary. They, they gave him five shekels because the law said that the firstborn son of the family had to be given to the temple in God's service as a sacrifice. And you left him there unless you bought him back, unless you redeemed him. So the five shekels was the price that you paid to redeem your son back to you. So Mary and Joseph bring the Redeemer 
to be redeemed. That's crazy. He doesn't need to be redeemed. He's the redeemer. He's going to redeem us. He's going to be the five shekels for us. But because of justice, they do it because of the law. Now, also, uh, when Simeon says to Mary, and a sword will pierce your heart, right? she's the pure one who goes into the temple to be purified. That's crazy. The pure one doesn't need to be purified, but she's going to cooperate with Jesus in the new creation of grace as a mediatrix and our mother to assure us that the grace of our redemption that is paid for by Jesus Christ is going to, that purification is going to come to us in our baptism and maintained and sustained by the sacraments that we celebrate. The Redeemer is redeemed, the pure one is purified because God is gracious and merciful and he's just and because we need it, brothers and sisters. So, so Jesus goes and does that and it's, it's the first time he comes into the temple is the light fulfilling Ezekiel's prophecy, coming back to the temple, God's glory. Now, Jesus is going to grow in wisdom, age, and grace as he grows in his human nature. His divine nature doesn't need it. His human nature is going to grow in wisdom, age, and grace until he starts his ministry. And then the final time he goes into the temple, we all know what happens. He creates that big uh, chaotic scene where he's throwing tables and uh, money and he's getting the animals all gone because he's going to be the money now that's going to pay. Uh, he's going to be the lamb of sacrifice uh, that's going to redeem. So what was begun at the presentation is now fulfilled when he goes into the temple the very last time. And what does he do there? Does he do it to heal the temple? To reform the temple? No, he does it to end the temple. Getting rid of the money and the animals. He stops worship because now he's going to be the money. He's going to be the animal. He's going to be the temple. And that sword that Simeon prophesied now with Mary standing there at the foot of the cross when Jesus is the temple in his own body goes up as the faithful, merciful high priest who is merciful, he is just. What he began in the purification, he fulfills on the cross when he opens up his side and out comes the blood and water as a fountain of mercy for us, the sacramental river of grace that we're going to be washed in, we're going to be purified in, we're going to be redeemed in. All there on the cross with Mary, the sword piercing her heart as she and Jesus uh, as, uh, begin this, this uh, drama of the new creation of grace. Purification is a foreshadowing of the cross. And in Jesus, by virtue of the grace that is won for us in our redemption, in our purification, in our baptism, takes our flesh into heaven our flesh, through the incarnation, through the paschal mystery, is going through the veil. Remember, the veil is torn in two because the temple is now defunct and over. So Jesus takes our flesh into the new temple, the new Zion, the new Jerusalem, the new paradise, heaven. Our flesh is there, and it's creating a place for us where we get to be with Jesus and all those gone before us, and we get to behold the face of God forever, eternity. Because of this, because of baptism, and sustained and maintained in the life of the sacraments. 
How awesome is that? So we have to celebrate, don't we? Because he suffered. He was tested by what he suffered because he wants to help us who are tested. That's what Paul says in, in Hebrews. We got so much stuff to work on. We got so much stuff to go through. And, he, and the merciful high priest wants us to be faithful. And he, and he allows us to be faithful by the river of mercy that he gives to us. We have to celebrate. Our birthday is nothing compared to our baptism. And we don't even know the day. So I told Carla's secretary, I said, I'm going to tell everybody to call the office on Monday. <laughs> so she's, she's totally freaking out. She was old. Uh, but call, because we got the books. It's all there. You call the office, and she'll have the, the, baptism, the sacramental registers right there. You say, what was my baptism? What was my confirmation? Uh, you know, who, who heard my first confession? Who gave me my first communion? I want to celebrate those days. She's ready. All right? <laughs> she has no idea. Remember John Paul II? He's a great guy. And he uh, went to Paris for World Youth Day. I don't know if he ever, he used to go every three years, he went to a major place to celebrate with the youth. And he's got three million French people in front of him and three million youth from around the world in front of him. And you know what he, and he looks at everybody. Because you know, Paris, or the French are the first church in Europe. They're the oldest. And so he says, oldest daughter of the church. What have you done with your baptism? And as we know, that was a critique. That wasn't praise. So that, uh, that, uh, that critique reaches our ears, brothers and sisters. What are we doing with our baptism? How do we celebrate?